Hey, all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Welcome back, nature nerds, to another episode of You're Gonna Die Out There. This is uh, Megan, sitting across from my co-host, Jen. Hello. We're gonna have a great story for you. Jen is gonna be telling our story. Yep. We're doing a little science news. Exactly. You know the routine. This is how we do it. Absolutely. Uh, do you want me to go straight into the science news? I'm ready, if you're ready. Oh, yeah, totally. What's... <laughs> We're so efficient now. <laughs> Just think about, you know, episode one and two, Jen and Megan. Just they going knew, on and on. They knew nothing. <laughs> All right, here we go. I got this off of sciencenews.org and it caught my eye because I kind of love this. This is great. We have a mutual friend, a colleague who can't come to my Halloween parties because he's allergic to cats. Good news, Jen. Cat allergies may be tamed by adding an asthma therapy to allergy shots. Haha, <laughs> no more excuses, people. <laughs> it's still under, you know, like they're still doing like research but wait, and stuff. I feel like but... people use that as an excuse. They do. I know there are some people who are truly allergic. Like yes. I've seen the reaction. I'm like, yes. holy crap. Yeah. Because I always think anytime anybody says they're sick, I think they're lying. You're like, why are you lying to me? Yeah. I think our colleague actually is allergic to cats. Yeah. I feel sorry for anybody who's allergic to animals. Agreed. I was allergic to dogs when I was a little kid. And then you built up a tolerance. And then we had dogs around all the time. And then you just, I was just figured it out. I had a runny nose all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I will just give our friend a bunch of cats. I'll yeah. be like, look, just live with them. <laughs> I swear it'll work. <laughs> don't worry it's about just your... like in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about your throat closing up. <laughs> it's fine. Listen, you just need more cats. That's yeah. all. Um, a hairless cat. Yes. A danderless, danderless cat. Oh. It's the dand. I guess a hairless cat would be danderless, right? Because uh -huh. they don't have hair to make the dander, right? Right. I but don't know. Did you have a cat with hair that doesn't have dander? I don't think so. Like a poodle cat? Yes. Can somebody... A hypoallergenic cat that's make... not hairless? Does that exist? A poodle cat? <sighs> well, let's start working in genetics, Jen. <laughs> TM. Uh, <laughs> TM. TM. That's what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Just hypoallergenic cats. <laughs> this is great. Okay. Getting into this article. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, it was written November 4th, uh, 2022, and it is by Tina Heisman Say, and she says adding lab-made antibodies to allergy shots may better groom the immune system against cat allergies than standard shots alone. So they go on to talk about allergy shots, like how they work, that essentially they put like little bits of allergen into these shots and you build up a tolerance over time, mm -hmm. which... Again, leads me to think that if I gave this coworker like one cat for one week, two cats for the next, you know, right. just build it up, right. it's going to be fine. We'll just spread some fur initially. It's okay. Yeah. And then more fur. And then like eventually you build up to like a whole An cat. actual cat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they talk about that. And then they talk about a study that was done to see if researchers could improve that allergy therapy by reducing the amount of time shots were needed. So you have to get like shots, I guess it depends on what kind of allergy you have. You have to get shots regularly if you're not taking like like a Zyrtec or whatever. But mm -hmm. if you're taking, I mean, I think people who take Zyrtec isn't like regular, like every day or something. I don't know, but I had to get shots regularly as a child. Right. Yeah. And so over time, you hope to build up that immunity mm -hmm. and then you'll be fine. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like how you are now. It's amazing that I don't hate getting shots. That's true. Because I hated it back then. <laughs> but right now I'm just fine with it. Yeah. yeah. So essentially, this study is hoping to, I guess, prolong those beneficial effects of an allergy shot. Okay. Lisa Wheatley is an allergist at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Um, And she says some people are essentially cured of their allergies, while others may need shots indefinitely, which is making me makes me kind of sad. She says, uh, we knew that if you are on immunotherapy for cat allergies, you will be better after that year, but you will not retain that benefit. So you have to come back and get shots again. When allergies strike, some immune cells produce alarm chemicals that trigger inflammation and other symptoms. So that's basically like it's like you're not you're not actually allergic or your reaction isn't to that thing, but it's your body's reaction to that thing that causes all the other stuff. Right. Right. That always blows my mind with allergies. Mm -hmm. So Lisa and her colleagues use a monoclonal antibody called tezepelumab. That's probably right. Who knows? T-E-Z-E-P-E-L-U-M-A-B to block one of those alarm chemicals known as thymic stromal lipopotein. Or TSLP. There we go. There we go. Acronyms. This antibody has been used as an asthma treatment, so researchers already knew it's generally safe. So they didn't have to do, like, extra studies on this to see if it's going to, like, kill people or whatever. They're good to go. So what they did is they got 121 allergy sufferers, specifically cat allergy sufferers, and they broke them up into groups. So some people got standard allergy shots just by themselves. The (laughs) tezapilamubab... I cannot. I cannot with that word. It's perfect. Alone, a combination of the standard allergy shot and the Tezza, whatever, or a placebo. I mean, it just always sucks to be in the placebo group, right? It's the worst. It's the worst. So on its own, the Tezza, whatever, was no better than just the placebo. But after a year of treatment, people who got the combination of the two had reduced allergy symptoms mm-hmm. at cat dander and... I guess, compared to even with the people who got standard shots. So they were like statistically significantly better (laughs) than all the other groups. So it's kind of a cool little thing that they're finding out. They're still doing a lot of research. Much more is needed before this or any other therapy can be like, you know, you can go to your doctor and be like, sign me up. Right. So still a little bit more time. But they say it's one step in a long chain that will probably lead us to a really useful therapy in the future. So fingers crossed. (laughs) <laughs> well, and after the rat episode, now we know everybody needs to have a cat. Uh, Yes. At yeah. least one. Yeah. So if you are suffering from cat allergies, put some funding into this research. Or get a rat as a pet. <laughs> or get a rat as a pet. There you go. Although I did watch Cabinet of Curiosity. You told me to watch. I've been watching. There are some episodes. There's a lot. There's a lot of rats in these episodes. A lot. And I feel like everybody talks about rats in the episode. They're like, are there rats here? Like, what's going on? With rats? Yeah. You know what I mean? There's some themes. There are. I feel like rats. And they are just don't put rats dark. in a very light. They do not context. No, not at all. And, I, and yeah. there are some really, there are some really sweet and cute rats. Agreed. Ratatouille, Mrs. Frisbee. I just keep thinking oh, she's about a mouse. Yeah. <laughs> I just keep thinking about the balls, Jen. That's <laughs> just, just balls on that guy's head. Like that's really the story of everything. I can't stop. Can't, can't stop. stop. Can't stop. Sorry for stop. all of you that I tormented with that episode so great so great it was a happy ending some good stuff anyway that is my science news for today i love it i hope you enjoyed it i am looking forward to your story for today so my story today is going to be all about niagara falls 
Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> For this episode, I want to give a big thanks to fellow nature nerd and patron, oh. Jennifer K. Thank you, Jennifer K. She's the one who sent us this story suggestion, and mm-hmm. she's a very awesome supporter of the podcast. That's and we amazing. appreciate you, Jen or Jennifer, whichever you go by. Jenny. Maybe she goes by, yeah, Jenny. Oh, let us know. She goes by Yen. No, she doesn't. We don't do that, do we, Jen? <laughs> I feel like most Jennifers are okay with Jen. Yeah. And then some are either Jennies or they're not. Right. I feel like, yeah, it I feel like Jenny, it, Jenny is a choice. It it's, yeah, well, sometimes. I mean, yeah, if you're yeah. called it since you were little, sure, it just fits, right? I wasn't. I was Jennifer. Like right. the full name my whole yeah. life. And then finally I was like, you know what? Can we just... Can we just go with Jen? Is that cool? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I feel you. I've had only one person in my life attempt to call me Maggie. Ooh. And I was like, absolutely not. Well, Jenny is much more common than right. Maggie. Yeah. And also, when I was a little kid, I was like, spelling out Jennifer is like so hard. It's a, it's lot. a lot of letters. <laughs> Can we just J-E-N? Thank yes. you. Yes. <laughs> All right. So she did tell us in her email, she said, when I was nine, our family went on vacation there and I became consumed by the story of a seven-year-old boy who fell over the falls wearing just a life jacket and survived. What? Also, the people who decided to go over in a barrel and other homemade objects who inevitably ended up crushed like an eggshell. So we're going we're gonna to talk about it. Oh, God. We'll talk about it all. So. You ever watch that show called The Sinner? The Sinner? It's the- a really great show. Bill Pullman is, is in it. We just talked about this. Yes. Never, oh my. yes, we did. Guys, listen, Megan got up really early this morning. So early. She had to go look for bats. And I had a creepy dream. She had a creepy dream because I made her watch Captain of Curiosities. <laughs> so she's having ghosty dreams. Well, and it wasn't even a fun bat observation because we didn't see any bats. It was just like I got up for nothing. You got up at three in the morning. To drive across the island. see like a few pigeons. Yeah. Yeah. I heard some wild boar. Ooh. In the trees. It's always creepy. Are you sure they were wild born? Uh, yes, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Yeah, so it's okay. Remember we talked about it because you thought he was dead and yes, he wasn't? Yes, it was yes. Bill it was Paxton. the other Bill Paxton. Yes, yes, yes It's yes, okay. Yes. I'll help you today. <laughs> we're good. I had Thank enough you. sleep. She hasn't. I was just going to say in one of those series, the premise of this boy who's like being taken away from kind of a weird situation is that they're going to take him to Niagara Falls. Oh, right. I totally yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that episode, I don't know. It didn't resonate with me for some reason. That whole season was a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Let's get started talking about where is Niagara Falls and some basic info yeah. for those who don't know. Let's hear it. It is a set of waterfalls on the Niagara River mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the border between the U.S. and Canada. So it's like an actual border. Yes. Yeah. The Niagara River flows north from Lake Erie to Lake Ontario. (laughs) It's comprised of three separate waterfalls. The Horseshoe Falls, which they also call the Canadian Falls. Mm -hmm. The American Falls. American. (laughs) So apparently those are on the U.S. side. American side. And then right next to it is a very small waterfall they call Bridal Veil Falls. Mm. It's kind of hard to say. Yeah. But it's pretty. It is. Looks like a bridal bell. So the horseshoe is kind of split. Like a little portion of it is on the U.S. side, but most of it's on the Canadian side Mm because it's huge. Also, Horseshoe Falls is the largest of the three, like because, yeah, it's huge. Makes sense. Um, And it gets its name because of its horseshoe shape. Cool. It's very clever. (laughs) There's a little island called Luna Island that separates American Falls and Bridal Veil Falls. And American Falls and Horseshoe Falls are separated by Goat Island. No, I will it. tell you why it's called Goat Island 
Yeah, you can tell us later. It's fine. I can tell you now if I can remember it all, but I might end up actually saying it later. But it was because in like some time, a long time ago, some guy took his goats there and they all froze to death. Oh, no. <laughs> and they were like, oh, no. that's old goat island. I don't know. They should call it like frozen goat. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of sad. Ghost, dead dead goat, goat island. Dead goat island. <laughs> yeah. So Horseshoe Falls are about 180 feet high or 57 meters. Mm-hmm. The crest line, which I guess is the width right? If I'm one into the other Mm -hmm. is approximately 2,200 feet or 670 meters for those who use the metric system. (laughs) And then they say the plunge pool beneath the falls is about 100 feet deep. And is Horseshoe Falls like the one you see, like you think of? That's the one everybody goes over and things. (laughs) So... Okay. Well, we'll talk about that. The height of the American Falls ranges between 21 to 34 meters, sorry, or 70 to 110 feet. And that's because there's like a rock pile at the bottom. That's scary. Yeah, at the base. There's a lot of rocks stacked up. Okay. And that's happened over time. They break and fall. The crest line of the American Falls is about 850 feet wide or 260 meters. The rapids above the falls reach a maximum speed of 25 miles per hour. With Mm. the fastest speeds occurring at the falls themselves, obviously, about 68 miles per hour. That's pretty fast. That's pretty fast. Super fast. So I was going to do an episode on whitewater rafting, which I am going to do because our friend, my best friend by proxy, because she's best friends with my best friend that I grew up with. Sure. Yeah. I love it. She sent suggestion she went whitewater rafting in costa rica and sent this awesome photo (laughs) so camille i'm working on it i think that one will be next the water through the whirlpool rapids below the falls reaches about 30 miles per hour and at this one area they call devil's hole rapids it's 36 well they say kilometers per hour Mm -hmm. anyway fast it's almost it's about 20 20 25 miles very rapid that's rapid so 20 percent of the world's freshwater lies in the great lakes and most of that flows over Niagara Falls. Interesting, right? That's a lot of did water. Did you know that? 20% of the world's fresh water I is in did. the Great Lakes. I did not. I did recently hear about a lake that I feel like I want to do a story about. I oh. cannot remember the name of it. It's like the deepest lake in the world. Ooh. Yeah. You should do that. And, and then it, we can do like a whole like water thing. It'll for... just be a water theme. Yeah. You guys let's, want it? Let's do it. We'll do it. Sweet. All right. Niagara Falls has the world's highest flow rate of about 28 million liters or 700,000 gallons of water that travel down the falls every second. That's uh, that's a lot of water. That is that is about a million bathtubs full of water every minute. <laughs> so just filling them, just filling a, them. Just, just a million bathtubs, just so many people taking so a bath. So many people yeah. taking a bath at the same time. So it's thought to be the fastest moving waterfall. The world's fastest moving waterfall. It produces actually a lot of electricity and had its first hydroelectric station built in 1881 along the Niagara River. And so it produces about one fourth of the electricity for the state of New York and Canadian and Ontario, which is a Canadian province. Mm-hmm. In the summer, hydroelectric stations divert less water. So there is more water flow for visitors to see. Oh. They kind of like they do their thing. Yeah. Yeah. The engineers in the background, they're like the like Oz behind the curtain. Right, right. <laughs> they're just like turning a lot of like wheels and stuff <laughs> and like this wheel over here and, and a crank. There's like pulley systems. Yeah, yeah. There's things happening. Yeah. At night, less water flows through Niagara Falls so that the power generation intake increases. Okay. So interesting. 
Let me tell you a little bit about the history of uh, Niagara Falls. Let's hear it. They say that the Niagara Falls was is 12,000 years old. I am 12,000 years old. I am a waterfall. <laughs> it was formed at the end of the Ice Age when the glaciers eroded. Mm-hmm. And there was a bunch of water from the glaciers that formed the Niagara River, which then went over this, what they call the Niagara Escarpment. That sounds great. Is that how you say it? I think so. Escarpment. Escapement? Escarpment? No, there's an R in there for sure. I keep looking at it and I'm like, escarpment. Yeah, it sounds like something that like it scraped the ground and then fell off or something Mm -hmm. like that. Sure. Yeah. And now I guess it's known as Lewiston, which I'm, is that a, is that a town? Is well, that its name? It's, the, the, it's like, I'm Lewiston. I'm, <laughs> I am the great Lewiston. I am also an escarpment. <laughs> so the Niagara Escarpment actually is actually pretty cool. It's it a is. protected area that was designated by the UNESCO World Biosphere Reserve in 1990. Oh. So it's a big deal. Is it considered Listen, like a world... Lewiston's like, I'm a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> it's a natural landscape. It has a lot of biodiversity for that area, which is, there's not a lot, honestly. Yeah, I was gonna, like, but what? it does support different species of birds, reptiles, all the things, orchids, cool. ferns. So it's cool. It's Canada's oldest trail. It's also got a name. It's called Bruce. <laughs> Oh, Canada. <laughs> oh, Canada. That's why I am. I'm Bruce. 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 I'm our right, oldest Bruce. trail, Bruce. Bruce and Lewiston. Lewiston's like, I'm an escarpment. My friend Bruce over there is a trail. <laughs> this is Bruce. We're dumb. Anyway, it's fine. Uh, so that you can be, go and you can camp there. That would be a great t shirt. Just like on one side, right? Uh-huh. I don't know how you would depict the escarpment. But it's a natural, beautiful landscape. Yeah, yeah. I guess. And then on the other side, just like a little thing, it's like <laughs> and Bruce I'm the trails and Bruce. <laughs> All right. No one would get that. Maybe in people that live around there. <laughs> sure. And then they would be like, "You've misunderstood the whole thing." <laughs> Personally, I've never been to Niagara Falls, but I've seen pictures of my grandparents when they went there. I also have never been to Niagara Falls. Well, maybe that should be on our list. Only in my dreams. So because the water was so strong going mm-hmm. through the rock layers, it created a gorge, yeah. the Niagara Gorge, and the movement from the Niagara Falls further upstream. So I already told you how it that area flows at about 35 miles per hour mm-hmm. further up. And the first humans that are known to have arrived in that region was also around the same time, around 12,000 years ago, so they say. And it was just in time, they say, just in time to witness the birth of the falls. I guess it's after the Ice Age, so that makes sense. The land back then was very different, obviously. Um, there weren't a lot of people. Like There was no railing. There was no railing. <laughs> back then, it was inhabited by the Clovis people, mm-hmm. which was during the Paleo-Indian period, which lasted until about 9,000 years ago. Oh. Getting a little history right here. By 9,500 years ago, there was... The people that were hunter-gatherers of the archaic period. Mm. Okay, okay, follow me here. The woodland period lasted 3,000 to 300 years ago. We're getting closer. Closer. And this will sound more familiar. That was the peak of the Iroquois culture in southern Ontario. Okay, Okay. so we're getting there. Mm -hmm. By May 1535, there were some missionaries, (laughs) explorers. They arrived in Ontario. They were like, we're here. Hello. <laughs> we have Bibles and shit. They were followed a decade later by the Jesuits. And there was a Jesuit father named Gabriel Le... 
<laughs> Lail Mant. Bless I you, think. my child. Love <laughs> 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 like, oh, first recorded the Ir- Iroquois name for the river Anguahara, meaning the strait. That was great. And that is where they simplified it and came up with Niagara. Anguahara. Oh, like the ng sound. Anguahara. Sure. Oh. Anyway. So, of course, they're like, we don't know how to say that because we're really bad at doing the NG sounds. So we're just going to take that out. We're colonizers. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know how to do that. Yeah. (sighs) It's like when I was a Peace Corps, the language there, just to say yes is N-G-O-A. Yeah. I was just always like. And like, I feel like you learned one language, right? We learned learned totally different different languages. They both have the ng sound in everything, everything, and it's constantly in the back of your throat. Mm -hmm. And you feel like, yeah, we don't know how to do that. Like that was a whole thing. Yes, good times. All right, the fun facts that you can take to your next party. Absolutely, Niagara Falls State Park in New York is the oldest state park, not. Federally, this is state, right, 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 right. So we know federally, it's like what Yosemite, I think. Was Yosemite the it's oldest? Yosemite, thought, or is it? I thought it was the one in New Hampshire. No, I don't think so. I thought it was Yosemite. Anyway, somebody fact check. But it was established. So this is a state park mm-hmm. established in 1885 because it has a big freaking waterfall. So like, make it a state park. <laughs> <laughs> Do it now. People want to stand and sketch this area. <laughs> it needs to be public. They need to paint. They need to do the watercolor paintings. Yes. Niagara Falls has been a tourist attraction for over 200 years. Makes sense. You know, because yeah. that. It's estimated that around 30 million people visit every year. Dang. And it's free. So there you go. That's even better. Yeah. Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada, that part of it is known as the honeymoon capital of the world. That's where all of the heart-shaped beds are. <laughs> <laughs> Vibrate. I wonder if they still have like the quarter ones. Guaranteed. Somewhere there has I to be. I never really understood how that's like sexy. I think it's, I don't think it's meant to be sexy. Then what is the I point? I think it's meant is... to be like at the end of the day, you need a good vibration. You just like chill. No, bed. it's a heart shaped bed. Yeah, but I, I think it's, I don't think it's meant it's to be. It's for doing it. Can... Why would it vibrate? Is that like add extra oomph? I don't know. There, everybody out there is like, you guys are so lame. <laughs> I'm thinking about this way too much now. Yeah, okay, we'll stop. Okay, historically, Niagara Falls was established as the ideal honeymoon destination by the French in the early 1800s, of course. Because the French are lovers, Jen. Because they're all about the love. They like loving. Yes, they do. It has been said that Napoleon's brother, Jerome Bonaparte. <laughs> Just Jerome. <laughs> Just Jerome. Jerome. (laughs) (laughs) Jerome, listen. He traveled by stage from New Orleans to spend his honeymoon in Niagara Falls. Wow. Pretty cool, huh? And that's far, right? Mm -hmm. That's really far. That's true. Like, he was like, we're doing this. I mean, I wonder, like, you know how you get excited for a trip when you first leave? But, like, when they first left for that trip, were they, like, they were so excited, like, (laughs) I don't know how many weeks in, and they're like, oh, this was a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, just side note, you were correct about Yellowstone. Uh, what am I thinking of? I'm thinking of that one mountain that's like the wind is really, really strong. And it was like the first something. Was it maybe the first trail or something like that? I, don't and the, know. I think it was New Hampshire. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Anyway. Continue. Uh, the flow over the American Falls once was stopped completely for several months in 1969. 
because they wanted to, like I mentioned, move those. They wanted to check out all those loose rocks at the base. Uh And they thought about moving it because they thought it was messing with the falls. But they looked at it and they're like, oh, that's going to be like really hard. That's a lot of work. (laughs) I think we should just never mind. Turn it back on. So what they did is they built this crazy dam to stop everything. And then they like diverted all the water. And then they I wonder if they were just like, let's see if we can do this. Let's Let's make up make up something. That sounds like job security. Right. That's what that is right there. Yeah. Agreed. I was going to say they they said that they might do it again because the pedestrian bridges need to be repaired. So who knows? You might be seeing in the news that it's going to they're going to stop the the waterfall again. Weird. It is weird, right? Do you think they find weird things when they stop the waterfall? Oh, when they did stop it, I forgot to mention in 1969, they found two bodies. I knew it. And they thought they would find more. They were like, only two? (laughs) (laughs) They had like a whole spreadsheet ready just for filling in. It was only two. Right. Like a handmade spreadsheet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No Excel back then. Uh, They also, the flow was stopped once before or halted, they say, over both falls in March 1848 because of an ice jam in the river. Cool. Yeah. Niagara Falls has moved back seven miles in the 12,000 years and maybe the fastest moving, like moving waterfall in the world. Just like eroding away? It's eroding away. So it continues to erode, but the rate has been reduced because they control it now. Mm. But they say it would be about five feet a year, but they've reduced it to about one foot per year. Mm. Interesting, right? That is weird. There's an old scow that is stranded a few hundred meters above the falls. Do you know what that is? A what? A, an old scow. <laughs> it's an old steel barge, don't you know? It's <laughs> a really, <laughs> a really old term. <laughs> but it was uh, marooned there since August 1918 when a near tragedy was averted by three men who ground and out of control. I guess it was out of control. Like it was. Yeah. It was out of control. They were like, oh, my God, we're out of control. <laughs> oh my God. So they purposely ground it there, and it's cool. been there ever since. So what, is it going to fall off the falls at some point if the falls are moving back? I bet. Wouldn't it? Just one day? Mm-hmm. Just one day. It's just going to like, bloop. Weird. Weird. Last fun fact. Mm-hmm. The famous Uncle Tom's Cabin. Mm-hmm. So the writer, Harriet Beecher Stowe, was inspired to write it partially because she went to Niagara Falls. And saw that there was uh, this Reverend Josiah Hinton who smuggled runaway slaves across the Niagara River into Canada. That's cool. Yeah. Some cool history right there. Okay, moving on to flora and fauna. Excellent. There's a bunch of birds, some mammals, fewer reptiles. (laughs) There's about 17 amphibians. um, There's some mussels, 734 species of plants. There are 59 species that are federally protected under the Endangered Species Act on the U.S. side. Cool. And another 70 that are protected on the Canadian side. Very cool. Wait a minute. Why are there more in Canada? Well, it might be just the habitat. Hmm. That there's different things found in different habitats. Hmm. Or they have different, what is it? Rules, uh, laws, whatever. Yeah, for listing. Regulations. Mm-hmm. Just interesting how like, what if one population is split by the border? That would be weird. So there's over 60 fish species in the Niagara River, including the lake sturgeon, which is a big one that people, yeah. Uh, Smallmouth bass, yellow perch, and rock bass are some other just more common ones. There's P. 
periodic large migratory runs of fish species, such as the emerald shiner. For all of you fish people out there, the spot tail shiner and the gizzard shad. Sounds great. (laughs) Megan's eyes are like glazing (laughs) over. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, But anyway, they're a very important food source for the common tern. And also for guys on like Bumble and Tinder and stuff Uh to hold up in a picture. Fish. What do you what do you know about Bumble and Tinder? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the Niagara River corridor is a critical overwintering site for water birds. Cool. Because it stays unfrozen throughout the winter months mm-hmm. and when most other of like freshwater bodies are frozen solid. Frozen, yeah. So during this period, there are 92 species of birds that overwinter there. It's That's crazy. Super cool. Yeah. You know who I bet overwinters there? Who? Canadian geese. <laughs> They're like, out of my way. (laughs) (laughs) They're just bullying everybody. Just like with their wings out. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched a new, I don't know if it was on TikTok or Mm -hmm. um, a reel with the arms. Like like (laughs) some geese with with arms, but not really. They they were chasing like, uh, they were chasing a cop back to his car. Did you see that one? (laughs) No. And another cop, it's like on his camera. He's filming it. It's pretty funny. That's funny. The Niagara River Corridor also includes two ecological communities considered vulnerable. So it's the Calcareous (laughs) Cliff Community and Calcareous Talus Slope Woodland, as well as some other rare old growth forests. There's at least six water birds that congregate in the Niagara River corridor, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. And the one really special little species is the northern dusky salamander. Yes. It's a little salamander. The In Ontario, the northern dusky salamander's entire range consists of a single cascading stream in the Niagara Gorge on the Canadian side of the river, occupying no more than about five meters. Surveys, I guess more recent surveys identify 22 individuals and indicate a total adult population is fewer than 250 individuals. So it's also protected under the Endangered Species Act. So here's some bummer environmental stuff. For those of you who live in the area, you really know. Wow, you really really came in hard with that. Let's talk about some real shitty stuff right now. Let's talk about Love Canal. Do you know about Love Canal? Is that is this like where you ride a swan boat and you make out with your boyfriend or girlfriend? Absolutely or, uh, not. This right. is one of the worst super fun sites <laughs> ever. It's basically why there is a circle of law today. Why did they name it Love Canal? <laughs> <laughs> that is a misnomer. <laughs> so Love Canal was canal project branching mm-hmm. off the Niagara River about four miles off Niagara Falls or south of Niagara Falls. It's also the name of a 15-acre working-class neighborhood of around 800 single-family homes that were built directly adjacent to the canal. So from 1942 to 1953, the Hooker Chemical Company, with government sanction, began using the partially dug canal as a chemical waste dump site. Yes. It's all coming back, right? I remember this. We learned this in school. I definitely (laughs) learned this in school. At the end of this period, the contents of the canal consisted of around 21,000 tons of toxic chemicals, including at least 12 that are known carcinogens. The chemical company capped the 16-acre hazardous waste landfill in clay and sold the land to the Niagara Falls School Board. Perfect. Attempting to like rid itself of any liability in the future, including warning in the property deed. So back in the day, I used to do environmental 
a site assessments. And it all mm-hmm. stems from this. It's these laws that anytime you're going to buy a property, like commercially. Yeah. I mean, you can do it as a residence, but most people don't. But if you're going to buy a property, you are required to have an environmental assessment done to make sure this kind of shit doesn't happen, that right. you buy something that's covering up an old gas station or right. maybe an old dry cleaner that's like leaked all kinds of crazy stuff. Anyway, so public awareness. I'm going to talk about it for a minute because I feel like a lot of people don't know about this. It's true. But public awareness of the disaster kind of came out in the late 70s when investigative newspaper coverage and grassroots door-to-door health surveys like Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> in this case, it wasn't Aaron Brockovich, but it's like Aaron it's Brockovich. It's like yeah. Aaron Brockovich, yeah, yeah, yeah. which those, a lot of people saw that. So they started to show like all these illnesses that people were getting, like epilepsy, asthma, migraines, all kinds of stuff, abnormally high rates of birth defects. They're talking about kids born with like two sets of teeth. No. Three ears. Yeah. Like... Not cool. A lot of miscarriages in this mm-hmm. that that Love Canal neighborhood, right? Because, as it turns out, consecutive wet winters in the late 1970s raised the water table and caused chemicals to leach via these underground swells and sewer system that drained into the nearby creeks mm. and into the basements and yards of the neighborhood, the residents in the neighborhood, Jeez. as well as into the playgrounds. <laughs> Of the elementary school that was built directly over it. (laughs) It's like, you know, I didn't really like using public water fountains Uh as a kid. Like, you know, you're at school, you're like really thirsty back in the day before they had water bottles everywhere. And you're just like, I'm just going to drink from the water fountain. But I always kind of found it gross, you know, Mm -hmm, because you'd mm -hmm. see that one kid put their whole mouth on it. Oh, God. This is an even this worse adds situation. Another this layer. adds another layer. Yeah. So most of the activists were working class women who lived in the neighborhood. And they say... Back then, a collection of hysterical housewives. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, President Jimmy Carter at the time declared it a state of emergency in 1978 and had used government funds to relocate 239 families. Mm -hmm. But that left 700 families who federal officials viewed as being at insufficient risk. What? So they didn't relocate them, even though there were enough tests conducted that showed that the toxic substances were leaking into their homes. So there was another big battle with this. And then Carter, President Carter, then declared a second state of emergency in 1981. And the remaining families were relocated. Oh, that's good. The total cost was $17 million, which is like a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Honestly. I feel like that second wave, you know, where they're like, oh, it's you guys don't meet the criteria. That's like the same kind of criteria for like canned foods, like the number of parts of other things that can be in canned foods. Oh, Jesus. Yes. That's what that makes me think of. Like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. A little bit of leakage into your basement. Not a problem. Not a problem. You'll just have a small cancer. You still have all your hair. It's okay. We need to see this. We need to see actual. So I guess the best thing that came out of it was the 1980 Comprehensive Environmental Response Compensation and Liability Act better know this circular yes and or superfund right yeah there's also this other superfund site (laughs) called the hooker which is that name of that chemical company or hyde park site which is located in niagara falls new york it's a 15 acre area it was used for disposal of about eighty thousand tons of waste some of it was hazardous materials And that was happening between 1953 and 1975, resulting in sediment and groundwater contamination. So the Army Corps of Engineers has identified seven radioactively contaminated sites within 10 miles 
of the Americas of the waterfalls. So it just kind of makes you like look at it with a whole, you're kind of like, hmm. I don't really want to go visit there now. I feel like, <laughs> is it safe to go just to go visit in like a, you know, like a suit? I mean, I think it's okay to visit, but you, I, I don't know is about it, living Jen? there. Don't stay overnight. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, it's the honeymoon capital of the world. You can't, uh, you don't get in the hot tub. That's for sure. Yeah. What are they? Don't heating? go swimming in the creeks. <laughs> what are they heating the hot tubs with? Just uranium. <laughs> just it's fine. But here's some good news. Do you like how I'm bringing it back up? That was great. One of the largest glass-enclosed butterfly conservatories in North America <laughs> is located there. Yay! I love how that's like not... That's great. There's over 2,000 species of butterflies. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. Callaway Gardens in Georgia, they do have like a butterfly. You can like walk through a butterfly This one house. you can walk through, yeah. Yeah, and they like land on you and stuff, but you can't, you can't touch... You know, you have to be like really gentle and whatever. What if they're radioactive? Like one lands on your shoulder and it's just got like a human face. <laughs> it's like this. <laughs> It's like the beginning like of The this. Simpsons. Just like fish with two heads. It's like that rat in Cabinet of Curiosities. No, Jen. <laughs> no. Ooh. Oh, R.I.P. Rupert Grant. Oh, I know. I forget his, the name of his character. Walt. Walter. Yeah. yeah. He was great in that, though. He was. Yeah. I was impressed that he could do a good American accent. It wasn't bad. They were in Boston, mm-hmm. right? Because he mm-hmm. went up to Salem in that episode. Do you think it's harder nice. for English... Are British people to do an American accent or for Americans to do a British? I think it's harder for everybody to do an Irish accent. Oh, yeah. I always think about the worst was uh, Julia Roberts. Ooh. In that one movie. Jesus, that was so rough. But I feel like British to do American accents. Well, you think about uh, Kate Winslet that she just did Mayor of Easttown. She yeah. was pretty good, but I thought it did. That was really good. Actually. It was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty good. I thought there were some word like words that sounded funny, but it, I yeah. think because they were trying to do was it Pennsylvania or Boston? What, they were trying to do some accent. They were doing like a like nor'easter. Yeah, those people. Yeah, those northern yeah. people who are real hardened. <laughs> yeah, she was hardened. Okay, let's talk. Speaking of hardened, <laughs> let's talk about deaths. Oh, deaths hey. since 1850, which is all why you're here. Yeah, this is why this is what you came for. Just to be honest. It's true. You're like whatever with all that other stuff. I want to hear about the people going over in barrels. It's happening right now for whatever reason. Ready yourself. And since 1850, more than 5,000 people have gone over Niagara Falls, Jeez. either intentionally as stunts or unfortunately as attempted suicides, or accidentally. On average, between 20 to 30 people die going over the falls each year. What? Yep. Still? Yes, still. So some unfortunate and deaths that have been documented. Yeah. One is Joseph Avery. And two other men had been working on a scow. <laughs> oh, that the bar. It, this is a different a barge, scow. Right? There's lots okay. of scows back then, apparently. It's a thing. They were drinking a oh, lot. No. And they would go, I don't know, they're like attempted to row from Goat Island to the mainland. They're like, we need to go get a, it's like a beer run. Right. It was a really bad idea. They needed ice. <laughs> they needed, they needed someone more like Milwaukee's best. I don't know what they, that they were going back. Oh, and by the way, this isn't like, I didn't even say what year this was, but it was in, um, I think it was in the late 1800s. Sorry, I forgot to okay. put the year. So it's a long time ago. Right. So whatever kind of... Back in the day when they Pats drank... Blue Ribbon. Right. I don't know what it was. <laughs> it was back in the day when they drank their, you know, like beer for breakfast. Like people just drank beer regularly. Their mead. Right, right. They called it mead. Right. That's when they're like, this is a real thing we need. Anyway, their boat capsized. The other two men went over the American Falls like mm-hmm. right away. 
Oh. <laughs> gone. Did they live? No. Oh. Geez. Joseph Avery grabbed onto some tree roots that were growing from a rock that were just east of this other thing called Chapin Island. Mm-hmm. And he hang on he held on for 18 hours. What? And there were several attempts to rescue him the next morning. There was a boat that was tethered to go Island Bridge and they like tried to guide it downstream and reach him. So they got to him. He was able to climb onto the boat, but because he got on the boat and immediately capsized. What? And threw him back into the water and he no. went over the falls. No. What? Yes. That yes. is so sad. It is so sad. Bro. So there's actually a picture of this. It's a somebody help me here. It's a daguerreotype. The Guerrero type. It's basically an old timey photo, right? Whatever they called yeah, them back yeah, then. Yeah, like, him, like a tin type, or like something? a tin type. Yes, yeah. but there's a name. I was like, what the hell? There's a photo of Avery holding on to the tree. Oh no. Uh huh. I don't want to see that. That's like those those awful clickbait articles where they're like, see photos of people moments before they die. You can look at it and it's like, what? You have to squint real hard and uh, it's not really sure. Yeah, it's not very clear. It's a tin type. That's, so you're like, what's oh, happening? That's really sad. Isn't that sad? Like, he held on for so long. Anyway, there's a talk of him. There's William Dean Howell's poem eulogized him. And it says, caught in the long baffled clutch of the rapids and rolled and hurled headlong onto the cataract's brink and out of the world. That's, uh, I mean, it still sounds sad. It still sounds sad. Oh, and they also called the rock Avery's Rock since, ever since. At least he got a rock named after him. Yeah, that's nice. Poor guy. But also... But also, anyway, in July 1903, Ed Delahanty, he was one of the Major League Baseball's first celebrities. Mm -hmm. He had the record for one of the most impressive all-time batting averages and is considered by many to be the best player of the 19th century. Interesting. But he had maybe possibly a drinking issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was... 35 at the time and he was traveling on by a train to new york from detroit he had a drink a lot of whiskey he became unruly as one does when they drink a lot of whiskey (laughs) yeah yeah he was smashing glass and disturbing passengers and the conductor his crew basically threw him off the train they're like get out of here we don't Get out of here. And so within <laughs> with they said within sight of Buffalo, he attempted to cross the bridge spanning the Niagara Falls, where he supposedly got into a scuffle with a night watchman. Whether he was pushed or tumbled due to his own drugness, he stumbled over the falls only to have his body recovered a week later by the captain of the Maid of the Mist, which is a boat, like a tour boat that goes around mm-hmm. at the bottom. So, sadly... That's sad. That's pretty sad. I feel um, like And that... I'm sure it was a big deal back yeah. then, because he was, he was a big deal. In 1945, he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a fan of baseball, but I, that's a sad story. Yeah. I feel bad for him. So then on August 29th, 1981, and I kind of hate this story because mm. it's so sad and I don't, mm. Mm, I really hate it, Jen. but it's also, it's just, it's in there. This lady named Dunya, I think, Sayeg, she's 27-year-old resident at the time mm-hmm. of Toronto. She dropped her two-month-old son over the railing into on, the river. Like on accident? Uh, Yeah. Oh my so God. She, yeah, dropped him over the railing into the river right at the falls 
Um, and then he went over the falls and they never found him. Oh, my God. She was actually arrested and charged with second degree murder, but the charges were dismissed. And I read a little bit of an article about it that said that she actually suffered like she was hysterical. She didn't mean to do it. I guess she suffered from dizzy spells and even anxiety. And there was something about watching the water and, and all that out. happening. Yeah. And she just kind of like panicked. Yeah. But I'm like... Don't hold your infants over the railing. That or is close to the railing. A nightmare, isn't it? I think I literally had nightmares like that about my child when I was. I feel like when we he all was do. very little. Yeah. yeah, any parent has those nightmares. I mean, I still have them, but he's so much bigger now that it's like <laughs> they're not. <laughs> now as, he's doing his own stupid shit. Yeah, you're not doing it to him. It's not as bad, but yeah, like yeah. dropping them or or like yeah. I used to have horrible nightmares where I went to a party and left him home alone. Yeah. You know, like these are dreams. I did not do that to my child. Yeah. No, but like these bad were dreams. awful dreams. Uh-huh. And I would wake up in a pan. Or like you lose them and you can't find yes. them. And yeah. I can't imagine, yeah, having like a medical condition, having that happen and mm-hmm. then living the rest of your life. And then being charged with murder. Jesus. Yeah. And so I guess a lot of people came to court and they're like, and they found that she was actually on prescription drugs for it oh no yeah it's really sad anyway so sad. if anything use that as a just don't hold your infant child <laughs> yeah be close to railing in case you have like a weird reaction another sad case this happened fairly recently in 2011 a japanese student named ayano tokumasu she climbed onto the railing to i heard get a this. picture Yes. Yes. She wanted a picture of the Canadian side of the falls. She had her camera in one hand and an umbrella in the other, and she was straddling the railing. No. So she lost her footing because it's wet. And probably windy, I'm assuming. There's like wind. She fell in the river. She couldn't, you know, it's a very strong current at that point. And she went over the edge. It was really sad. And they never found her. Oh, no. They were like looking everywhere. They had a rescue team out, but they actually found another body. But While they, they were out? Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. I know, but they didn't find her. Yeah. So now there's signs everywhere like, do not climb the rails. Like, it's just come on, don't do that. I feel like places like and this. And I'm not trying to blame. I mean, it's no, just, yeah. but that's not, it's not a good idea. So, yeah. you know, I feel very bad for her and her family, but don't climb the rails. Don't climb over the rails. Well, and and I feel like places like that should have like a giant cage over them or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, like a mesh yeah. or something. Uh-huh. Like you just, it feels something. very Yellowstone. Yeah. Uh, just Grand Canyon. Yeah. They need to have like a, just a giant mesh. That's what exactly. I'm. Exactly. That's going to be in the emergency preparedness. Okay, we already know. We already know what's happening. I can feel it. I can feel it in my bones. (laughs) All right. Yeah, so let's talk about some survivors. Yes. Okay, this is the one that Jen brought up. So this one happened in in July of 1960 on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. There was a man from Niagara Falls, New York. He took two children on a boat ride Mm -hmm. in the upper Niagara River. The boat had motor trouble, capsized into the river, and all three of them fell into the rapids. Mm. Not cool. So he was like, I don't know if he was like a friend of the family or um, an uncle or something, but he actually went over the falls and he died. So at the same time, the two kids was a 17-year-old girl and they caught her like so luckily. She was like 20 feet from the edge and they were able to get her, but her seven-year-old brother... 
he had a life jacket on and like a bathing suit and that's it. And he went over the horseshoe, like the main falls, Jesus. the big one. And he lived. His name is Roger Woodward. Isn't that crazy that he... Does anyway, he remember it? Are yes, you talking about it? Oh, he does. My God. So luckily, one of the boats, they're called, like I said, Made of the Mists, these touring boats, was just mm-hmm. making its turn below the falls when one of the crew spotted a bright orange life jacket. And the captain turned the boat around so that the crew could pick up this little kid that fell over. Yeah. So it took like a few tries to get him and get him onto the boat. And I mm-hmm. guess when he got on, he was just mumbling about his sister. That he was so worried about his sister. He was conscious. He was conscious. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So they ended up taking him to the hospital. He remained there for a couple of days. He only had a concussion. So later, he is quoted as saying, For me, there was initially pure panic. I was scared to death. I can remember going through the rapids and being thrown against rocks and being bounced around like a toy in the water and being beaten up pretty badly. My panic very quickly shifted to anger, and and the anger was from seeing people running frantically up and down the shoreline and wondering why they wouldn't come get me and, like, rescue me. (laughs) Oh, God. That makes sense. He then said that after fear and anger came peace. There was a time I thought I was going to die, and my seven years of life literally passed before me, and I started thinking what my parents would do with my dog and my toys and had really given up at that point and felt like I was going to die that afternoon. It's a big thought for a seven-year-old. That's super profound. Yeah. Right? And then there's this whole article about him, but he's a very, like, devout Christian that probably has something to do with it. I would assume. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. He goes back. I think he's gone back several times and visited him and his sister. Yeah. I I don't think I would ever. Just (laughs) Just not. No. You're like, I'm good. I mean, yeah. Or just from a distance. Like you're you at your binos. Like, you're like, oh, the falls over there. Really far away. <laughs> like I would hate for some, uh, you know, random succession of events to, you know, because mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. no. That's a lot. No, thank you. Now we're going to talk about stunts. Oh, no. A lot of stunts. So the first one you're going to hate. I hate it. I hate it so much, Megan. I can't even tell you how much I hate it. But the only reason that I think like, I'm like, whatever, it's because it happened in 1827. It's a shining moment in the history of human tourism promotions. Mm -hmm. There was a group of hotel owners that thought that the waterfall itself wasn't enough to bring people in, that they needed to do something that would really attract people. I can already see the, like, printed newspaper front page, right? Yeah. Let me just tell you how shitty this is. Uh, William Forsyth, which was the owner at the time of the Pavilion Hotel, he got this condemned schooner called the Michigan, and he made it look like an old pirate ship. And it was him and a couple of others. On both sides of the U.S.-Canadian border, they were, like, putting out promotions for mm-hmm. this, announcing... And this is what it said. The pirate Michigan with a cargo of ferocious animals will pass the Great Rapids and Falls of Niagara on September 8th, 1827 at six o'clock. It's as bad as it sounds. The Michigan was not a pirate vessel. First of all, it was like an old merchant ship that was Mm. used on Lake Erie and obviously was condemned. So they put human dummies inside. They, like, tied them all around, which is creepy enough if you think of, like, 1827 dummies. very creepy. Yeah. It's, like, horrific. But this is the worst part. They also got, they told people to go out and get live animals from the forest and put them on board so they could also go over the edge. So what they did was 
They were said to be, these animals were said to be so great that they were expected to survive. The animals documented were buffalo, a buffalo or a bison, Mm. two small bears, two raccoons, a dog and a goose. Um, They also some reports that say there were two foxes and then more geese, like 15 and an eagle. So the animals were put on board and a crowd of more than 10,000 people walked through and looked at all of them. They were in cages or tied up on the boat with all the creepy mummy uh, mummies, (laughs) dummies. That'd be even worse if it were mummies. (laughs) Let's just throw some mummies on there. Uh, So they towed the boat from Black Rock to Navy Island, which is this whole thing. And then they let it go. It went over the rapids and everybody watched and they're like, yay. But the hole was torn open. So the two bears escaped and they swam away. Oh, Um, But everything else died. They say that there was one goose that survived, like got hit the basin, got out, was like, freaking humans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but everything else died. I am very angry about this. Like, what? What is it about? People? Yes. What is that? What is the, like, let's see what happens with these animals. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, why? Well, luckily, this would never happen to- in today's but time. But I still think there are people out there who would be like, that would be really cool. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. I know what What is mean. wrong with people? I know. God. Yes. So that's been reported as the first tourism promotion that was ever held at the falls. Um, not the wow. last. Wow. Wow. And wow. let me just tell you, those weren't the only animals that went over. No. So overall, for people who were doing stunts or daredevil attempts, the mortality rate is approximately 25%. Oh, that's lower low. than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot. But did you know that the first person to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel and survive was a woman. Oh. This story is so crazy. (laughs) So Anna Edison Taylor, better known as Annie, or she went by Annie, was, uh, she was an American. She Mm -hmm. was a school teacher. And on her 63rd birthday, October 24th, (laughs) 1901, she was the first person to survive a trip over the falls in a barrel. How many people went over before her? No, no, they none. They say none before her. She's the very first person ever to get ever. into a barrel. She was like, I'm gonna yes. get in this barrel. I'm gonna go over the freaking falls. Reportedly, and I'm live. yes. What? Yeah. So why did she do it, you ask? Yes. For the money, of course. Oh. Also, how did she say she was at the time? Well, 42 naturally. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> this lady is She's kind of great. So she was born in 1938, and she actually came from a family with some money. Like, her dad died when she was, like, 11 or 12. 1938? You yeah. mean... Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. 1838. 1838. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. Yeah, 18... Thank you. <laughs> she... 1838. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she went to college because they had money, you that's, know? So yeah, she went impressive. to college yeah, yeah, yeah. for four years, became a school teacher. She met a guy, got married, had a baby. Unfortunately, the baby died. Oh. And then right after that, her husband died because 1800s. So she was sad and she was a widow. Right. So she moved around a little bit. She taught dance. She even opened her own dance school. But by 1900, she had fallen on some hard times. Mm. Apparently, I mean, there's not the whole story here, but apparently her house burned down and she had lost some money to bad investments with a clergyman, they say. (laughs) Like, what was that? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> so, she, there's, there's a lot to unpack here, but yes. it doesn't really go into detail. She sounds like a character. 
I have a feeling because who's like, I need some money. I'm going to go over the, the Niagara Falls in a barrel. That's the first thing that comes right? to mind when you're 63 years old. I'm Listen, Jen, when I'm 63, it's, uh, you know, it's happening. It's happening. Because she grew up with money, she thought she still needed money, mm-hmm. right? To right, right. Keep, with, keep, keep up, up with appearances. The, yes, yes. So, But in the 1900 federal census, she declared that her birth year was 1860. That's the best part <laughs> of the story is that she just was, they came to her house. They're taking the census. She's like... 1860. Thank you. Sounds like nobody's yeah. checking up on that. Who can? Who can? That was a lot of can work. Can I see your ID, ma'am? It's you'd have all to, like, handmade. You'd have you, to like get on a horse. You could like, go talk to some. There's a whole thing. <laughs> a that lot. doctor is definitely already passed away <laughs> that delivered her, you know? Uh, she records. was like, if I'm younger, things will be better. I'll be able to make. She's like, nobody wants to give me money if they think I'm getting too old. I want to find her in Ancestry.com. I know, right? This is amazing. So, you know, to secure herself financially, obviously, going over the falls in a barrel. Smart. Uh, So she used a custom-made barrel. It was constructed of oak and iron and padded with a mattress. You're not going to like one part of this that I really actually hate as well. But there were a couple of delays because, obviously, a lot of people didn't want to help her because they're like, this is, you're going to die. A little. And we don't want to help you with this. Yeah. But so, it's cool. We'll put some animals in a ship and throw them over to the side. That's different. Well, okay. here's... Oh, no. So two days before she was going to do it, she needed to test the barrel. No. She put her cat in the barrel. Come on. It went went over. The barrel didn't break and the cat survived. Oh, thank God. They say the cat was bleeding from its head, but alive. And there's a picture. There's a picture of her with her cat. And they're like, the cat looks very calm. I'm like, it's heavily contused. Like... <laughs> The cat is like, what has become of my life? And thank God I have. (laughs) Why do all my friend cats like this didn't happen to them? (laughs) Like, why me? That is not right. (laughs) It's like this little white cat. And so there's a picture of her. It'll be in the thing. And she's, it's like, there's the barrel and the cat is sitting on top of the barrel and she's next to it. Like, and the cat literally, it just looks like what the actual F. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's I don't lives. even, I'm so happy that Kat survived. I think I would really hate her if it didn't. Well, I mean, it's I mean, awful that she put it in a, number one, putting it on any kind of like floating in water. I mean, probably people were like, you have to test this. Like, we're not mm-hmm. helping you go over unless you test it first. And it's not only just testing the barrel, but so say the barrel made it, but how does she know she will survive it? So there needed to be something inside, like back then thinking. Right. I mean, it's shitty, right? Sure. But I'm just saying. But like, I mean, I'm not trying to say that she should have chosen a different animal, but also she's significantly heavier than a cat. <laughs> that cat and that cat probably dug into the mattress. Guaranteed. Yeah. That cat was like, just... I want to know how long the cat lived after this. Two hours. Two hours, Jen. <laughs> that cat definitely died very quickly. No, I think it was okay. I honestly, I don't. Anyway, what was the cat's name? Did she have a name for the cat? I, to say? I found it somewhere and then I couldn't find it again. And it was really irritating oh, me. But I think it was something like, start with an L, like Lucky L- Larimer <laughs> or something. It was an interesting name. Oh, OK. So on her 63rd birthday, as I mentioned, she went over. The barrel was put in a rowboat. Mm-hmm. She climbed in. She took her lucky heart shaped pillow with her. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. screwed down the lid. Her friends use a bicycle tire pump to compress the air in the barrel. Okay. 
and the hole was plunged like with a cork. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very 1901. This is very like Little Rascals esque. And then they put her in the water. <laughs> they put her in the water near the yeah. American shore of, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. south of mm-hmm. that goat island. Mm-hmm. This was around 4 p.m. And observers watched the barrel go in the water and then disappear as it into the mist as it fell. A few minutes later, she reemerged and floated to a stop on a rock. She only suffered a small cut on her head, which they think might have, they say, could have happened when they were helping her out of the barrel. There's a picture of her getting out of the barrel, Mm -hmm. and she doesn't look too... She just immediately throws up on everybody. I feel like she's like, what did I do to that cat? You know, like, she got out. (laughs) Like, she had a real (laughs) moment. She's like, this is why Larimer, whatever her cat's (laughs) name is, doesn't sit on her lap anymore. Larimer hates me now. I get it. So I guess the first words after the stunt was, I prayed every second I was in the barrel, except for a few seconds after the fall when I went unconscious. Oh, my God. Uh, she's later known as saying, if it was with my dying breath, I would caution caution anyone against attempting the feat. I would sooner walk up into the mouth of a cannon knowing it was going to blow me into pieces than make another trip over the fall. Jesus. So did she get paid? Did she get that cash money at the Skrilla? Like, what happened? So, anyway, no. <laughs> Her manager stole the barrel. Come that on. She was supposed to travel with it and make money. He, like, took off with it. Oh, I thought she would have... Okay, this is what I thought was going to happen, all right? What? Was that she was just going to do, like... Like a school fundraiser type situation where, <laughs> where you have people sign up for, you know. Well, because like, there's a lot of tourists. So she was hoping she would get right. money from tourists. And Just afterwards, she has like a hat and she's going to walk around the crowd like that was me in the barrel. Or know? sell pieces of the barrel. Oh, okay. Okay. So she even hired a private investigator to help her find it. But she didn't have any money for a private investigator. <laughs> I don't know. Well, so she had a little bit of fame right after, but mm-hmm. she did. it didn't work out. It didn't really pan out the way she had hoped it would. And she found herself in financial dire straits. Dire straits again. <laughs> she spent her final years posing for photographs with tourists. Oh, uh, I heard she. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> Megan, this is 19, early 1900s. Whatever. Come on. They had those Nickelodeon things, you know, you Nickel- put a nickel, you can like look inside. You is know, that what it was called? Yeah, Nickel- Nickelodeons were like the very first, like mm-hmm. you could look at pictures and stuff. See boobs. Yeah. She, no, she had a souvenir stand oh, okay. near the falls. Hmm. And then she briefly talked about doing it again, even though I'm sure she was like, no. That was in 1906. She tried to write a book. <laughs> I don't know. There were a lot of things happening. Right. Um, there was like a, a movie, you know, silent, probably right. silent movie about it. Nothing really worked out. She died in 1921. Aww. They say penniless. Mm. So sad. But they did. A bunch of people raised money and they buried her. They ended up burying her. I guess it's the Stunter's Rest section at the Oakwood Cemetery in Niagara Falls, which is kind of cool. But what's funny is that when she went to the hospital, when she got really sick, yeah, uh, that was in yeah February of 1921. She was telling them that she was 57, <laughs> but she was actually 82. <laughs> <laughs> She's kind of, I feel like, legendary. I can kind of forgive the cat thing because her cat survived mm-hmm. for some unknown period of time. <laughs> yeah. But that's Could have been days. Could have been hours, yeah. years. We don't yeah. know. There's a picture. So it survived to that point. Hmm. But here's, yeah, there's like a bunch of stuff about her, but there's a musical about her called Queen of Mist. 
that opened off Broadway in 2011. And I think it's still going. And it, it I want to see it. Yeah, it looks super entertaining. If anybody's seen it, let us know. After her, there were a lot. And I have a little rundown. And some lived, some didn't. Mm. So Bobby Leach, born in Lancaster, England in 1885. He was a performer with Barnum & Bailey Circus. Oh. So he did stunts. Prior to his trip over the falls, he owned a restaurant on Bridge Street and would tell customers that anything Annie could do, he could do better. Mm. I'm like... But do you have a cat, Bobby? <laughs> but how old are you, Bobby? Honestly. Because <laughs> she's younger than you. Whatever whatever age you are, she's younger. I'm yeah. just telling you. Yeah. On July 25th, 1911, he went over the falls in a metal barrel and spent the next six months recuperating in a hospital from two broken kneecaps no. and a fractured jaw. Oh, my God. It hurts my knees. I know, right? After that, he recovered. He toured with vaudeville and gave some lectures. 15 years later, in 1926, he was on a publicity tour in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. He slipped on an orange pill and broke his leg. It became infected. The gangrene set in and he died. Wow. Two months later. So it's like he survived. That's like the thing. He survived going over the falls and died from slipping on an orange peel. Uh, It wasn't a banana peel. I know. Jeez. That's awful. Then there was Charles Stevens. He is known as the first of the barrel daredevils to die conquering the Niagara Falls. Uh. He was a barber from England, and he was doing various like high dives and parachute stuff, and he was titled the Demon Barber of Bristol. Wait, is that where Sweeney Todd comes from? I don't know. Maybe. This was in 1920, so possibly. I mean, I don't really... Because really Sweeney Todd is a demon barber of, uh, I forget where. Somewhere. Yeah. Well, anyway, so at the age of 58, he left his 11 children Jeez. to go to Canada and perform his greatest feat, which would be going over Niagara Falls in a barrel made from Russian oak. Mm. <laughs> Bobby <laughs> Leach, the guy with the kneecaps, yeah. that guy, he tried to talk him out of it. He was like, your barrel not going to make it. Yeah. You need a metal barrel like me. You're going to break some bones. It's going to hurt, but you're going to survive. But he was like, no, no, no. You don't know what you're talking about. My barrel is going to, it's going to happen. Wasn't Annie's barrel also metal? They're Met wood and metal. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So on the morning of his jump, there was a little crowd that gathered to watch. The barrel was strapped to his arms and an anvil to his feet, meaning like, so he would go feet down, right? So that was kind of like what he was thinking, like it would pull him down right what in that direction so he went over the barrel hit the base of the falls so hard that the anvil crashed through the bottom and dragged him with it bobby wasn't there at the time to to witness it but when they later found the barrel only his right arm was still oh no jesus (laughs) his arm is buried in the cemetery at night they never found the rest of him right no jesus christ that's so messed up. That's so messed up, right? Next in line, Jean Lucier wanted to be the third person to survive the falls, meaning not that guy before with the arm. Right. The two before that. So he would have been the third. So around 1927, he moved to Akron, Ohio to have a rubber company develop what he envisioned the per- was the perfect design to go over the falls. It was like a rubber ball, basically. So it was about six feet in like radius okay. and diameter. diameter? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had steel bands to maintain the overall structure. 
and the ball was lined with oxygen tanks, tubes, and valves to keep him alive for up to 40 hours in case he was trapped somewhere, oh. like trapped behind, under or behind the falls. There were also these hard rubber stabilizers to prevent excessive rolling, because can you imagine, like, the spinning rolling action? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not good. So imagine back then, in 1920s, this cost him $7,000. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. That's so, like $100,000 or something, uh-huh. like that, right? On the 4th of July, hey. 1928, he was 36 years old. He headed downstream towards Horseshoe Falls. Just before he reached the brink, the largest external stabilizer of his ball was ripped out by the rocks Oh no! on the river bottom. At 3.35 p.m., he went over the falls with the ball sustaining heavy damage to the inner tubing and frame. At 4.23, it was recovered. And he was okay. Just a few bruises. What? He survived. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Crazy, huh? There's another guy, George Stathakis. <laughs> he was a <laughs> chef. He worked as a chef in Buffalo. But he always wanted to be a writer, like a published writer. Oh, okay. So at the age of 46, he was like, I'm going to do this to get attention so I can Writing get my book published. Book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which is... I don't know. People's like motivations are very interesting. I mean, it is very similar to um, our current social media craze that's out there. But I, I agree. I feel like today's social media craze might be on some level less dangerous. By far. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. So he made a massive barrel made of wood. It made almost a ton. He was warned it was too heavy. Yeah. But regardless, in July of 1930, he took his pet turtle. No. Who apparently he said was 150 years old. Oh my gosh. He went over the edge. Instead of smashing into the water below, his barrel got wedged behind the falls where he stayed for over 20 hours. So when they found him, he was dead, but not because of the crash, but because he didn't have enough oxygen. No. To get to be alive when people found him. His turtle survived. That's a sad story. It's sad, right? I know, but I mean, I can't, it's hard for me. I'm glad that, yeah, I feel sorry for all the animals in these stories, but for the people, I'm like, you did it. I mean, you did this knowing the risk. Yes. There was a risk involved. You made a choice. Exactly. Yes. For the barrel people. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So in 1951, there was a, this is another not good outcome. There's this guy, William Redhill Jr. He's the son of this famous river man that was a lived around there and was Uh always saving people in the river. His dad was William Red Hill Sr. And so his son went over in a craft that he named The Thing. It broke apart on impact and he was killed. His body was found the next day. And after this, the Canadian and American authorities were like, that's it. No more stunts, guys. We're done. So now it was illegal, completely illegal to go over the falls. Thank God. Nevertheless, people were like, I'm next. Now we have Nathan Boya, born William Fitzgerald. He was the first black person to go over the falls on July 15th, 1961. He went in a rubber ball, another like steel. round ball right, right. called Plungosphere, which I think is kind of that's, funny. That's pretty The good. ball hit the rocks on impact and bounced, and he was uninjured. What? <laughs> I know, right? It's pretty funny. So I guess he launched from the American shore, which would have put him over the American Falls, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, not as, it's not as high. Not as steep, right? Yeah. yeah. But I guess the current took him over to the Horseshoe Falls. Oh, wow. But he's, he lived. In an interview in 2012 for National Geographic, 
special about the Niagara Fall daredevils. He said that the reason he did it is that he had broken off his engagement to a woman that he felt he had wronged. And he did the stunt as a form of penance because he felt bad. Oh, my gosh. They had planned their honeymoon at Niagara Falls. And he did something really crappy to her. So he... That's his atonement? I guess. Was like possibly dying? Yeah. So... That's so strange. I wonder how that lady felt about that. She was like, well, you still cheated on me. She probably was like, (laughs) I dodged a bullet. Like, I don't know. Like, what were the... What's the precedent, you know, for like atonement? People's motivations are the most interesting part of this. So strange. In July 1984, a Czech Republic professional stuntman who was Mm. living in Canada, his name was... Carl or Carol, mm-hmm. so sick. He went over Niagara Falls in a barrel and survived. Oh. He came out with minor injuries to his face that he said was from his wristwatch. Yeah, that like his watch hit his face. Like, anyway, they say that his descent was reported to be 75 miles per hour. Jeez. And it took 45 minutes for the barrel to be recovered. And he was also fined $500 by the <laughs> Niagara <laughs> Parks police. For illegally stunting in a park. So it's like the barrel is floating down the river. The police are just standing there. Just with, yeah. They with like, the, with the like sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they open it. He just sees his own face in the reflection of their sunglasses. <laughs> They're like, already writing the ticket. Like in that movie. They're uh, like, oh, look, you survived. Here's yeah, your ticket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool hand Luke situation. Right. Yeah. But sadly, he died the following year at the Houston Astrodome in a failed stunt. Oh. He tried to do the same thing, but it was like he was being dropped from like some crazy height into water and his barrel like hit the edge. Anyway, it was a really bad situation and everybody watched and he died. Jeez. Yeah. Steve Trotter went over twice. So I always think about because remember Annie was like, hell no. But then she kind of thought about it later when she needed some more money. (laughs) She's like, well, I'm actually 32 now. I think I can do it again. So he went over in 1985 and obviously survived. And then again in 1995, he was originally in 1985, the youngest to go over. And in 1995, he went with a friend, a lady friend named Lori Martin. They had a 90 minute air supply in the tank. Like say they could serve not, they weren't playing 90 minutes of air supply, (laughs) which I would like to think they were. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they were playing air supply and they lived um i guess because the first time he went 85 he was fined the 500 dollars. but yeah. the second time he got a jail sentence because yes. they were like we told you two weeks in jail and he was fined for almost fifteen thousand dollars so did he didn't do it again right that was a no he didn't do it again okay would you go over with another person what was their relationship i couldn't figure that out right yeah I think they just did stunts together because later I read further that they did another stunt later. I can't remember what it was, but they it was more of them. There were like four of them, not Niagara Falls. It was something else. And they all got super hurt, like broken necks and backs and all kinds of stuff. And I think that's when they just stopped. Because I'm just imagining the tumbling that's happening inside of the barrels, right? And you're just like, well, sm- I would think like they like- probably did it like a spaceship. Would you, yeah, would like you definitely wouldn't want to be head to head. You know <laughs> no. what I mean? You, you want, want to be... be head to foot, I think. Like 69? <laughs> just, just... <laughs> also, I disagree because I don't like when, <laughs> remember when you were 
were like kids and having slumber parties and you're like, your yeah. feet are gross. Like you don't, wanna sleep. you don't want somebody's like feet all up in your face, <laughs> yeah, but, you but also want... possibly someone's junk. <laughs> like that could go badly. I feel like, I feel like head to foot would be, and not head to groin. That's a bad, just like teeth. There's teeth there. Okay. No. And sensitive parts. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to be head to head because, like, have you ever just accidentally knocked heads with somebody? Like, it's so painful. It's very painful. Yeah. Maybe they wore helmets. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe they wore helmets. I mean, I'm pretty sure. But I doubt that helmets in 1980 were, like, as good hey, as helmets. Hey, this was in 95. And I'm just saying, okay. 95, Megan. I'm just saying, as a roller derby player, a person who watches people, you know, like, test helmets and you uh-huh. choose a... You can only really hit your head on the ground one time in a helmet and then you got to get a new helmet well so i'm I'm just saying that's like today's technology in foam and all that stuff well 95 wasn't like (laughs) come on that's not that long ago i mean friends was like in full (laughs) like sure full uh popularity at the time people were rollerblading a lot so they could wear yeah they're just wearing bicycle helmets (laughs) exactly (laughs) rollerblading oh my god all right So I talked about those two, but we're going back to 85 because it was 85. October of 1985, this guy, David Monday, survived going over in a barrel after he'd already like tried a couple of times, but they kept catching him. Like, (laughs) no, 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 sir. He tried to go over two more times after that in 1990, but he made it in 93. So he kept trying. Like, I don't know how many times this guy wanted to go over, but just the park. I would hate to work in that park. Okay, that would be the worst as a park ranger. I would just ignore them. I would just th- I would see it and I'd be like, oh, never mind. I just like, like not, pretend I'm, like I didn't. You know see what? It. I'm not. I didn't see it. You want to do that? But they're like, you do it, Jen. This happened on your shift, and you're like, listen, there are 30 million people who visit this park <laughs> annually. Okay, listen, I found a salamander and I was observing it and taking notes at the time. ESA listed species, okay? Okay. Dusky salamander, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> then there was um, another couple that went over together, Peter De Bernardi and Jeffrey James Pekovich. They went over in a reinforced bar- barrel in September 1989, and they did it to draw attention to anti-drugs campaign. I feel like in order to even go over, there needs to be some drugs involved. Be drugs involved. No lie, I was like, did people drink before they did this? Because you'd want to be as relaxed as possible, you know? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, Annie said she went completely unconscious. So <laughs> you have to, you have to admit, out of all these so far, hers is really the best. It's really the best. She's the best. Honestly, on June fifth, nineteen ninety, Jesse Sharp went over the falls in a whitewater canoe. No. He had intended to continue paddling on the river after he went over and even made dinner reservations four miles downstream in Lewiston, but old Lewiston. Jesus. <laughs> but after he went over, he quickly disappeared into the falls and his kayak came up in perfect condition, but he was never found. Yeah. There's no way. But you're here's gonna... one thing. He Jesus. did not wear a life jacket or a helmet because he didn't want the life jacket to impede an escape if he got trapped under some falls and he didn't want to wear a helmet because he wanted his face to be recognizable to the cameras so i'm just, just saying wow just wow you need that safety gear bro ppe october 1995 robert overracker went over the falls on a jet ski to raise awareness for the homeless he had a rocket propelled parachute it did not open and he died 
His body was recovered the next day. A jet ski? Yes. I don't understand. I don't get... What are you raising awareness for? How is this helping the homeless? <laughs> I don't know. What is going on? Well, I guess like, you get so many people to donate and yeah. then you do it. It's. I'm having a hard time feeling sympathy, right? Like, yeah. I want to because, like, people die. That's yeah. awful. But also, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. Mm. Yeah. In 2003... This guy, Kirk Jones, went over the falls and was the first person to survive the drop without any aid. He just went over like, and he swam for on purpose, though. A hundred yards. Yeah. Okay. So he swam a hundred yards before swimming over the falls. Apparently, he had been drinking before the incident and okay. planned to record. His friends were going to record it, but they weren't able to get the recorder to work. This is what it says. He was fined 2300 Canadian dollars and banned for life from entering Canada after this. Just his photo is up. <laughs> on the he said that going over the falls was initially possibly a suicide attempt rather than a stunt. Oh. But he made it like it was a stunt, but he survived. So then he's like, that was a stunt, but later maybe said it wasn't. Then he went over again in 2017 in an inflatable ball. And supposedly he took his seven foot boa constrictor named Misty with him. The ball was seen spinning in the rapids above the American Falls on April 19th, and he did not survive. The empty ball was picked up by the Maid of Mist, the touring yeah. boat, and his body was recovered six weeks later. What about the boa constrictor? Never found it. Jesus. Yeah. And they said there's no way it would have survived it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's three other that are noted that had purposely jumped and survived. I'm not going to talk about those because it weren't stunts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's really sad. Yeah, it's really sad. I mean, I'm glad they survived. So. Right. Let's talk about tightrope walkers. I was going to say, are there tightrope walkers? I cannot. I can't watch those things. What's crazy is there was like a lot and then nothing for a long time. Right. So the first one was in 1873. There was an Australian guy, of course, Henry Bellini. Perfect name. He was giving weekly or semi-weekly performances walking across the Niagara Gorge using a 1,500-foot rope, which is the longest ever used across the gorge. So this guy goes back to 1859. Okay. This guy's really well-known. His name is Jean-Francois Gravelet, or better known as the Great Blondin. Um, he's a cool-looking guy. I got some pictures for you. He was the first and the, maybe the best of all the tightrope walkers. He made 21 crossings on an 1,100-foot long rope that stretched from Pro Prospect Park in the U.S. to the Canadian side. Wow. And on August 17, 1859, he carried his manager across the gorge on his back. His manager weighed 150 pounds. <sighs> the trip lasted 42 minutes and included 42 rest, rest stops. He did all kinds of stuff up there. Like, there's so much about him. Like, he cooked omelets on the tightrope, like, set up, like, a little stove and cooked oh. he carried he did all kinds of like stunts do you think that people who do these kinds of stunts have like a really low resting heart rate like are they just really relaxed all the time like do they feel anxiety ever or maybe the thrill is what makes them it's the adrenaline it's the, the thrill of it but they're also like so excited to do it that they're yeah that they're very relaxed I mean, I just want to. But they it. feel so confident. Maybe just, they're overly confident. People. I want to take it back to the Grand Canyon, and walking on a very secure platform, 
made me feel like I was going to pass out. Right. Like, how how do people in the how? world exist like this? I don't know. I don't know. I just watching something like that. Especially I, that long ago. I'm yeah. like, I just feel like you didn't have all the safety stuff. Yeah. And maybe that's how people got away with it and why it hasn't been done for so long. <sighs> This other guy, Clifford Calverly, mm -hmm. he was from Clarksburg, Ontario. And in 1887, he went to the Niagara Falls to perform a tightrope act. He successfully crossed, I guess, and set a speed record for crossing the gorge in two minutes and 32 seconds. He just like ran? I don't know. Most of the performers average like 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. So he skipped rope. He hung by one arm, sat on a chair, used a wheelbarrow. All kinds of stuff. There were several in the 1800s. Another one was Stephen Peer. He was born in Stamford Township in 1840. Like Connecticut? Doesn't say. Do you know where Stamford Township is? I feel like there's Stamford, Connecticut. Probably. Connecticut. Connecticut. He was 19 when he saw the great Blondin perform his first tightrope walking uh, Niagara Falls. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I want to be the first. So, oh, okay. So Stanford Township is in Niagara. Oh, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> that makes sense. Oh, too. Okay. So Perfect. he wanted to be the first person from there to actually walk the gorge. So in 1873, he became an assistant to Henry Bellini, who I mentioned earlier. Mm. And then he used some of Bellini's equipment to perform his own stunt. But I guess Henry Bellini was not really amused and tried to cut it down like he was like no you're not doing this because you're like yeah the residents apparently chased henry bellini out of town because he was trying to cut the rope cut the rope and that <laughs> was that was their kid yeah, from yeah, there yeah by 1887 he was famous and started performing under his own billing um he successfully walked a wire cable stretched between I guess the present whirlpool bridge and the penn central bridge i don't know where those are but if you're from mm -hmm. there you probably know Three days later, he went to a platform from where he was going to start a crossing with friends. Um, speculation is that they had been drinking. Mm. And when he started to walk across the cable, he fell 45 feet to his death. Oh, man. Bummer. Maybe Henry Bellini was right. He Maybe was he like, was trying to tell it like you drink too much, man. He's like, like you're you not you're yeah. not you're not ready for this. Right. And then there was I think you'll like this one. One mm. of the only women no. who did the stunt. Her name was. Spelterina. She was Italian. Hey. Her real name was Signora Maria Spelterini. Perfect. And she did stunts like walking with her friend. Uh, oh, sorry. Walking with her feet in baskets, like while she was crossing tightropes. Oh, wow. Performing wearing shackles and chains nope. on the tightrope. Nope, 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 nope. There's a picture of her. She looks pretty badass. So, yeah, she was the first woman to ever cross the Niagara Gorge. And a lot of her stunts were done when she was only 23. She did one as part of a celebration of the U.S. Centennial in 1876. So then it jumps to 2012. There was this guy. He's there is a guy. He's he's still around. <laughs> OK, Nick Walenda. Mm -hmm. So he did um, historic walk across the Horseshoe Falls on June 15, 2012. Only person to actually traverse the waterfall itself. Everyone else had crossed the gorge. So he's also the first person to perform crossing since the late 1800s. So that's why I said there was like this huge gap in time. Right. Where people just practice a lot. Right. I think they just didn't allow it probably at a point. They're right. just like, we're tired of this. Right. The crossing was from the American side to the Canadian side. And when he got to the Canadian side, the customs officers checked his passport. 
(laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. And so he's from a long line of performers. Right. Yeah. What if he got over there and they were like, this is expired? Right. So they're like, I'm sorry, you have to go back. Yeah. His wife also is a performer. And I, I read somewhere that she was on a helicopter hanging over Niagara Falls by her teeth for like some crazy amount of time. Interesting. Organization to support. (laughs) Yes. Our organization to support is the Land Care Niagara, which is also landcareniagara.com. It's where you can find it or LCN. They are committed to creating a healthy and sustainable rural and urban environment consisting of citizens who are knowledgeable and active in land resource management. Hmm. They're like a cool nonprofit, you know, because you have all these like state or these agencies, like federal and state. And they're the ones that kind of seem to bring it all together. That's nice. They have rural, (laughs) it's such a hard word to say, rural and urban tree planting programs. And they've been involved in the planting of over 1.2 million trees in the region of Niagara. That's super cool. It's really cool. And that's about 575 hectares of forest restored to trees in those areas. They do woodworking for nature with kids, which I think is really cool. So they have programs for species at risk. So they help kids build like bird yeah, houses, houses and bat like that. houses that we talked there about. Yeah, it's so cute. So you can support them by donating. If you live in the area, you can volunteer. Mm-hmm. You can order stuff online. Like they have pollinator seed balls. Oh, that's cute. Uh, wildlife structures like the ones they build and they yeah. have shirts. All right. Go get a t-shirt. I like it. Yeah. That's so, really nice. Anyway, I wanted to, you know, throw in some a little nature organization there even though mostly we're talking about people i I didn't want to i didn't find one to support for like ailing stunt people (laughs) acrobats (laughs) right i'll leave that to them oh man they can raise their own funds they should do like a fundraiser for nature they should yeah yeah, I feel like I would donate. Although I'm not saying things. anybody should go over. The no, falls. not over the falls. I, I don't. the tightrope walk. I think is a different level for some reason. You know, because it's like people who like professionally. That's what they do. Have been studying for since they were very small. Uh-huh. They're athletes. Yes. You know, they train. And nowadays, and I feel like even back then, to an extent, they have like a safety harness mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah. There's more safety measures. I the idea of putting yourself into a structure to go over the falls is more of like a daredevil y type deal that in my mind isn't the same level mm-hmm. as like a stunt, you know, like a tightrope walker. I feel like, like going acrobat. over is like you it's like the it's pumpkin a, drop. It's like a pumpkin pumpkin drop. It's, yeah, a, an it's drop. a test in physics. Exactly. So it's all about your structure. Right. But don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it, guys. Anyway, there you go. Thanks, uh, Jen, for the uh, suggestion. That's fun. Jennifer K. We appreciate it. So, Megan. Yeah. We already talked about some netting device. Uh, What would you, after now that you've heard all of the things, (laughs) what would you put in your emergency preparedness kit? Oh, my goodness. Hopefully not a cat or a turtle or a boa. Absolutely not. Or any of the animals. A bison? Come on. Why? That's just... That's rude. It's just so, yeah, it's so cruel. I don't like that. That's I don't like not that cool at all. At all. Mm-mm. 
All right, Jen. What I think would be the best thing is, you know, back in the day when they would do like shows on stages and like if someone was like no good, they would have like a really giant cane that would go out and like yes. grab people and take them off the stage. Uh-huh. That's very I, vaudeville. Very vaudeville. I don't know what that cane is called. Uh-huh. It's a <laughs> cane. Basically, you need, yeah, a vaudevillian cane yes. to, yeah, remove people. I think mostly to redirect any kind of vessel that might have an animal in it. That's what I would especially use. An especially, animal. especially. I would do it for people too. I would just, I just yank them on out. Yeah. Just be like, nope, nope, you're done. Not happening. Not especially. Yeah, especially if there's Let's an animal in there. Let's not do this. And then if it's a person, you find them. Yeah. A lot of money. Yeah. So the park rangers need some sort of vaudevillian, vaudevillian, villain cane, cane or net or net. Yeah. Yeah. To just, just like boop. Just pull them right on out. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what needs to happen. That's part of your training as a park ranger. Yeah, like a National Park Service Vaudillian cane. <laughs> that's what we need. Perfect. Because what if Jesus. it's like a sphere? Right, That'd like kind of hard. It could be like a claw, like a <laughs> like a. It could be like it could be like a giant T Rex mouth, you know, and you can. It's like one of those things that like you, a hungry hippo. Yeah, like a hungry hippo. It's just like. Bleh. Perfect. That's all you need. Definitely the cane would have to be like one of those with like a red stripe on it. Uh Uh-huh. Like twirls around it, like a candy cane. Yes. Yeah. Safety. And then when they when they pull you off, the park rangers would like tip their hats. (laughs) And they (laughs) dance out. out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Very good. Oh, I think it fits the time of a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) There's a lot happening. In the 1800s, early right. 1900s. I feel like, yeah, if I had been alive then, I would have been one of those people <laughs> who just, like, would faint at yeah. the idea of, like, a tightrope walker or... that would need, you know, like, smelling salts or something like that for myself because I just wouldn't be able to handle that. The level of stress. I mean, I think about that one movie with Sylvester Stallone in it where they're, like, mountain climbing or something and they're on, like, a... At the very beginning, like the oh, wife falls or something like yeah. that. Isn't it Sylvester Stallone? Uh, I think so. I'm having like a very, it's like a vague memory. Yeah. That movie. That movie. So much stress. Yeah. Movies like that where there's like a gorge, you know, and they've got to cross this like rickety no, bridge. Yeah, I'm like, I can't. It. I can't with that. No, no, it's the good. level of anxiety. Just a like lot. a lot of Xanax. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a vaudevillian cane and a lot of Xanax. There That's you what go. you need right there. That's what you need. Mm-hmm. Oh, good times. That was a great, that was a great uh, episode, Jenna. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, no problem. I enjoyed that a lot. I hope you liked it. Jenna, I hope you liked it as well. So good. Um, And, you know, if you guys are interested in listening to more episodes that are not out there on our regular episode channel, whatever. Uh And Science Newsies. Yeah, you can join our Patreon and uh, check it out. Yeah. Just go to uh, our link tree on Instagram or go to our website. Yeah. And you'll find it there. Do it. Love you. You're Gonna Die Out There is produced by us, Jen and Megan, and edited by Jonathan Pillsbury. We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star iTunes review on Apple Podcasts. You can also support us by following us on Instagram or Twitter, listening and subscribing wherever you get podcasts, or becoming a patron. Check out more on our website at you'regonnadieoutthere.com, where you can see our awesome eco-friendly sponsors and Nature Nerd Artisans page. If you'd like to send us your own stories or episode ideas, you can submit them through our contact form on our website or to our email. You're going to die out there at gmail.com. And until next time, don't die out there. Bye. Bye.
when you say Niagara. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was like, is this connected? Because think about like. Okay. All right. I get like, it. No, no, no. I get it. I you get, get it. it? Yeah, yeah. But it's not. Like it's, flow. Well, or... they say it kind of is, but mm-hmm. it's also because it's like Viagra, vi- Vitality. Right. Sure. No, uh, when you were talking about the flow and we're talking about cranking things, it just recently I rewatched uh, Frankenstein with uh, what's his face? I can see his the English actor. You were seeing that it was like in the early 90s or something. Oh, oh, yeah. He was married to Emma Thompson. Brennan. Uh... Kenneth Branagh. Brennan. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. uh... That was rough. That was like a real brain. (laughs) Yeah. No one was having to crank on that one. I forgot how late 80s, like mid to late 80s, early 90s movies are just really disgusting. Are they? Like. (laughs) I don't remember. I, I don't know what it is. It's like everything is viscous. You know, he had put his monster, you know, mm-hmm. Robert De Niro plays the monster. I forgot that. Holy shit. It's yeah, insane. I don't remember. I, I'm i like trying to think if I actually and watched the movie. Helen, Hel- um, Helen Bonham Carter, is that yes. her name? She, yeah. She's the, his like adopted sister slash going to be wife. All of the special effects are just really disgusting. Just the, yeah, the liquid that he puts in him. It's supposed to have like placental stuff in it. It's like mm-hmm. really viscous and like goopy and. And they slide around in it for like two minutes. There's like this scene <laughs> where he's like pulling him out of the sludge. It's kind of entertaining, but also disgusting at the same time. Mm-hmm. It looks like an oil fight or something, you know, like, like two girls. Mud wrestling. In, like mud wrestling. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know. But it's, you know, Robert De Niro's. That's very erotic to some people. Possibly but... naked body. I don't oh, know. I don't want that. I'm sorry. It's so weird. I don't. And I'm just watching it and I'm thinking like, wow, this is. And all the blood, you know, like when someone gets hit in the head or something, the uh-huh. blood is like really like almost orange. Ew. It's like not a real color. Who was the director on that? I feel like Tim Burton was. I that's what I'm I'm wondering. But I don't remember. It was a lot. Interesting. I'm not even gonna say that I'm gonna go back and watch that. I think that was was that one of your Halloween build up movies? It was. Okay. Yeah. I was yeah. like, hey, yeah, I haven't seen this in a while. Moving on. We gotta move on to I don't know what. I cause I can't watch Christmas movies. Yeah, what what are some Thanksgiving movies? Well, Home for the Holidays is oh, my that's favorite Thanksgiving that's movie. One. I love yeah. it so much. Mm. I don't anyway. know. <laughs> Just right. that movie. That's it. Okay. Back to Niagara Falls. Continue. Here we go. <laughs> but all of these stories about people going over the falls in barrels. Uh, we just did a pumpkin drop at one of the schools oh, here geez. where you like build the students built a contraption to put a pumpkin in, you know, and then they drop it from 50 feet. And the very first drop the contraption that they had made uh, was made out of PVC pipe. And, you know, when, when they had talked about the designs a couple weeks earlier with us and, you know, I was like, you're going to use PVC pipe. You're dropping it from 50 feet. Uh huh. You know, like think about these materials. Okay. Right. Like is PVC pipe going to survive a 50 foot drop with like a 10 pound pumpkin on top of it? Absolutely not. No. Like it's too brittle. It's too brittle. Yeah. yeah. you got to have something with a lot of padding, like a ton of padding. And there has to be a crunch zone at the bottom to yes. take some of that impact. Yes. Like there's a lot of, you know, things that you have to think about. And the very first drop happened as soon as a PVC pipe. It just the, the pumpkin everywhere. I saw the video. Yeah. You saw millions of pieces. All of the kids, you know, everybody there was like, oh, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> these stories of people going over. It's just very... I'm like, that guy, people are not listening. I know, right? Like, you really, I feel like you need to, like, have some sort of engineering background or yes. some understanding of, like, physics and... And adding weight uh-huh. to something 
that's already propelling you very quickly. I mean, I get the thought, sure. but it's very Wile E. Coyote-esque. Yes. Like there anything are, with an anvil makes me think of like old cartoons. It's a very bad idea. Yeah. Well, and and there were a couple of kids who did put extra weight at the bottom, like, oh, we want it to be weighted a certain way. And mm-hmm. um, those contraptions did not make it. Like they were some of the worst yeah. explosions. Yeah. Because it just yeah. doesn't. Doesn't work. Oh, God. 